What's up? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm an artist and a designer and the founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. And this is the Art Pays Me podcast. I love talking to creative people about their business, their successes, their challenges, and how they make the world a better place with their work. Let's get into it. Welcome to Art Pays Me. Today we have Christopher Webb. So Christopher, uh, we've connected a bunch online and then we met in person like yeah. pre-pandemic. And uh, for the folks, what do you do? Because you, you kind of do a bunch of things. Yeah, well, I always, maybe this is sort of the thing I always come back to is I'm a visual artist first. And I've, you know, so that's how I always identified kind of how I'm making my way through the world in terms of like what I do is as a visual artist. But because of that, I think always why I took to your, to your podcast we do with the art pays me thing is, you know, the starving artist mentality, which was, if I'm going to make it as an artist, I need to do all kinds of other stuff. So uh, I used to do some graphic design. I don't really do much of that anymore. Um, I, I host a segment on global television about, about the visual arts. Um, I lead a, with my partner, Victoria, we lead, uh, well, we used to up until this year, but we are going to, again, we lead tours to Italy every year, which kind of uh, launched us having an espresso bar and cafe in the downtown metropolis of Herring Cove, Nova Scotia. So we have a cafe <laughs> here too, come art gallery. Um, but in all of that, it's always because I'm a visual artist. So how does that sound? How's that for an answer? Yeah, I, I, get, I get that so heavily it's i identify first as a visual artist too but you just end up taking on all these other things and it gets blurred and sometimes you uh at least for me anyway and i find with a lot of other people you start saying well i do this and i do that and i do this but at the core of it like you know even on my linkedin i just put artist as yeah i i do because that's primarily what i would say i am too well, it's like, well, without, without you as a visual artist, there is no art pays me and there is no art pays me podcast. Like it's what you yeah. do, but you know, that is, it's, that is its core. Yeah. But then we're also dads too. Like then we get into all the other stuff too. Like, it's all <laughs> the other things, you know, like that stuff. that's true. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned um, Pavia. Uh, so that's an Italian word, is it? Yeah. Pavia is uh, it's, it's my grandmother's last name. Her name was okay. Madalena Pavia. Just as an aside, my daughter's name is uh, is Madalena because of it. So, um, my grandmother was my art teacher and was really special and really, really important in my life. So, uh, yeah. So we we uh, after lots of umming and awing of what we should do here in Herring Cove, Victoria and I thought, well, you know, we think the thing's probably not going to work because it's an espresso bar and contemporary art gallery in Herring Cove. So if we're going to do it let's not pander and just do what we think we should do. Let's at least fail on all of our own terms. So we didn't call it like the Herring Cove Calf. We called it Pavia Gallery Espresso Round Cafe. And, you know, we started showing contemporary visual artists, some really interesting people actually over the years. And, and we imported our espresso from Florence. And, you know, so then that way, if it didn't work out, we wouldn't have any regrets, but, but it's certainly, uh, it's worked out. So it's good. That's cool. the name, Pavia. Cool, cool. And in your your work as an artist, I find that um, so that's interesting. Your your grandmother taught you. That's like 
did she, she taught you how to paint or did yeah. she just sort of teach you? Yeah. Well, it's funny. I just posted a photo of it. Um, is, uh, when I was three, her sister, so she would have been like in her mid sixties at that point. Um, her sister was doing some oil painting. So her sister taught her how to start painting, to do oil painting. Mm -hmm. And at the same time she was learning, she was teaching me how to paint at the same time. So I, I've kind of been, I've just been painting my whole life with oil. So I never thought of it as anything special. Um, and sometimes, and I sort of joke about it is, you know, like I, it's been a part of my life for so long that it's just, it's just what I do now. So I guess as I kind of grew up and was making choices along the way, I always felt like I couldn't get away from it. So at one point I just decided, oh, I'm going to embrace this. Like it mm. gives me the most satisfaction. I mean, it's also, sometimes I wish I didn't do it, <laughs> but <laughs> But it's good, you know, like it's, 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 I feel good. I feel like if I had purpose here, one of my main ones on life would be to paint. So I feel good about it. Why don't you, why do you wish sometimes you didn't do it? Oh, come on. It's the same with you. Like, you can't <laughs> tell me that, you know, like there's times when you're so frustrated at the process or, you know, there's times when the, you're just, you just can't paint or you can't create or you have deadlines or, you know, or you see other friends like, you know, like investment bankers. You're like, you know, why wasn't my purpose on life to be an investment banker where I'd be retired at 35? Like, you no, know, <laughs> my purpose in life is creating artwork, you know? So, and yeah, yeah. look, I mean, art pays me, but it doesn't pay me investment banker money, you know? Like, so that's what I mean. Like sometimes you just think like, I don't know. I don't know about you, like. Oh yeah, I definitely, I mean, that's why my day job is in information management. That's just, yeah. that's like, I just wanted to do something that A, I thought would pay more and B, would I could just turn my brain off and say, I don't have to do this now. It's now five o'clock. Work is yeah, over. Yeah. Um, yeah. Art is like 24 hours a day in, in some respects. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's challenging. And I, I am a little jealous of, of people sometimes, but uh, the art is it's um it sucks you in it, it's it you just i as much as i would like to be able to turn it off i don't think i could even i just i couldn't i, I sort of say it's like it's like um it's like it's like being in love it's like a relationship mm -hmm. like you're in love and you you know you're committed but my god there's moments of like <laughs> you're just like so angry at the person or you know I don't know, like it's the smallest things, but it's like that, you know, like there's, there's nothing else I'd rather be doing, but man, it's frustrating sometimes, but it's good, you know? Yeah. They know how to push your buttons. Like, like no one else. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> so, so uh, like we, we have this other thing in common that uh, we both kind of merge uh, sort of athletics and, yes. uh, and art. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's it's interesting. You mentioned something about like being in the zone. I saw somewhere, and yeah. uh, as an artist and an, as an athlete, and I I agree with that sentiment of like. But what do you mean for people who might not know what that means? I it only happened like literally. It only happened to me twice in sports because I'm not very good. I mean, I love sports, <laughs> but I. I think by embracing my my inability made me a better athlete. But it happened once when I played hockey when I was like 14. And it happened another time when I was boxing, when I just felt like 
everything slowed down and I could see everything. Like generally when I spar, like I find like when I'm trying to like uh, slip, instead of slipping away from punches, Dwayne, I find that I'm slipping into punches. Like if you were to throw a punch, I would move my face directly into that punch. But there was like a few times when, when I felt like, I felt like the other person in front of me was throwing punches and molasses and I could just move around and could see everything. And, and, uh, but I have that in art a lot, like in, in painting a lot, like there's sometimes when, you know, you have a sip of coffee, you paint for a few seconds and you take another sip of coffee and realize that 45 minutes has gone by, you know, like, that's what I mean. Like you kind of have, it gets into almost like it feels your breathing slows down and you're almost meditative while you're doing it. I love those moments. They don't happen all the time, but those, you know, that happens sometimes, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I love that. I, and um, it's almost like you have to, like those moments that like you talked about of hating the art sometimes or hating the work. Mm-hmm. Once you push through some of those moments, sometimes it's when you get to that, that zone and you're oh, like, yeah. ah, this is what I, this is why I pushed through it. So well, I tend to talk a lot in sports analogies too. And, it, and you know, a lot of my friends are in the art. So, uh, and I know it's cliche, but it kind of gets missed. <laughs> I always sort of say like, you know, it's all of these, it's like those crappy workouts or the, you know, like, Hey, did you go for a run today? Yeah. How was it? It was terrible, but I did it, you know, and how are the push-ups? Not great today, but I did them. So it's like that. It's like the, an old friend of mine, an artist, he used to describe all his doodles as practice. Like they were his exercises, you know, and in order to get better, we gotta, gotta go through those things. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what would you say that you've learned from athletics that you could apply to art? Actually, that was a good one right there. Well, there you go. That was good. <laughs> uh, I, the, the big one always was uh, uh, fear. It was kind of one of the big ones. Cause I, okay. now you box too, right? Like, did you, do you, did you box or do you still box at all? So I do, I'm a martial artist. That was my first sport. And okay. we used to do like, do you ever watch the Karate Kid movie? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So we did the, they called the Kumite. So I used to fight in those kind of events. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, used to, I used to suck. I was really <laughs> bad. And then like, I, you know, as I got a little older, I started to get pretty good. So that's that's my thing. So it's sort of like a, hybrid of it's not quite kickboxing but it's not quite yeah it's just just fighting <laughs> fighting yeah. with martial arts techniques a little bit more yeah. organized yeah a well, little more organized it's funny i always say about like and and uh you know being crappy at combat sports isn't like being crappy at other sports like you know like if we played basketball and i mm-hmm. you know and you're not good at basketball like the ball doesn't go in the hoop Right. It's not a big deal. But when you're not good at combat sports, like someone, another, another human being is punching you in your face, you know, like it <laughs> yeah. is. <laughs> it's a, yeah. Uh, or, or in my case kicked. Yes. <laughs> That's why I don't do any kickboxing. Like two extremities coming at me to stop is like enough. Like I don't have, I don't yeah. want to have to worry about legs and knees. I don't need yeah. that stress in my life. I, but I said before, it's like fear. Like I remember sparring like back in my twenties, was some pretty tough, tough characters. Like they were, they were fighters, you know, like that's mm-hmm. what they were here to do. They were, they were talented. And I remember just the fear, 
of standing across to them. And then at the same time, having that fear, like the one thing that was going to keep you safe was by trying to relax your body and breathing, which is so counterintuitive, you know, like, so that always stuck with me. I mean, to this day, like anytime on a, on a micro level with painting, like I still get debilitated looking at blank canvases or at the beginning of paintings. I'm like, man, I don't know if I like, hope I can still paint, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so I find that, that the idea of kind of embracing that fear and going, no, no, let's just turn this into excitement and, you know, do that. That was kind of the biggest lesson I ever got from sports was, was trying to take that fear and turning into something productive. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's good. I like that. And what about you? What about, I know, I know you're, I know you're doing the interviewing, but do you, is there stuff from sports that you still carry with you? Like, are there any things that cross over for you that people may not Yeah, know? for, for sure. Uh, so um, for me, definitely the training aspect. So that's why I like that, that doodle thing, because with Kung Fu, it was like, you, you got to do those push-ups. You got to like practice your stances, do a hundred punches, do a hundred kicks, whatever the case may be and work on those fundamentals. And then as a basketball player, it's the same thing. Dribble with both hands, mm-hmm. shoot with both, um, do your layups with both hands and yeah, yeah. put in that time, put in that time. And eventually you become a more complete player or a more complete martial artist by just putting in those repetitions. And as an artist, it kind of pays off in the same way. And I'm a little frustrated with myself these days because I'm so much in and I'm in so many different things that I don't yeah. necessarily put in those the repetition that I used to be able to mm-hmm. so yeah I, I can see right there I think it's super important but then I also agree with you too with that uh you just you just don't know till you've been punched in the face like how to what what you're sort of capable of and that's right and, uh, <laughs> yeah and also, and for me too, and just for the record too, just so I don't sound like, you know, we don't want to sound like over, what is it, like over masculine conversation about fighting mm. is like, I've been punched in the face by uh, women and men. And, and, you know, I've, and from big, from big dudes and small people. And, you know, uh, that's the, the one thing I realized through fighting was a, I never want to have a fight outside of like in real life. And yeah. be like, never underestimate anyone that's across from you. Cause you know, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, taking a little off topic, but like the, the, <laughs> some of the fights that I remember losing the most were from much shorter opponents. Oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it was because I, I've got really long legs, really long arms. I wasn't, I'm six two now, but back then I wasn't that tall for, from my age, but I was still a lot taller than these, mm-hmm. these guys, mm-hmm. but um, I just wanted to use my, my length and just try to keep them at a distance, but they were quick and their technique was way better. So they just kept slipping underneath yeah. my arm, my, my punches and kicks and just like lit me up on the inside. Yeah. And that really taught me another lesson about like, there are, you know, when people always assume someone can't fight because they're strong, they're, smaller than you or not mm-hmm. as strong as you or whatever it's like um everyone's got a strength and and every strength is also a weakness you know mm-hmm. so like in that those those guys were able to figure out that my height was actually a weakness that they used against me in a very mm-hmm. smart way and you can uh, you can 
figure that out in art too. It's like, I might be really good at rendering something accurately, uh, or I might not be, but like figuring out how you best leverage that technique to tell the story. And you don't, you don't necessarily need to be a good renderer. You could be a great renderer or you don't need to be, but it's about how you. And I know we're, we're, on, we're on a podcast right now. So people yeah. may, you can't necessarily see what's behind you, but like the basket drawing that you worked on or the painting that you sort of worked mm -hmm. on over time or the unseated territory, like those are, are very, they're very rudimentary, like mark making images, yeah. but it doesn't speak to the talent of the artwork. Like if we sort of judge it on, like you said, like, oh, wow, that painting of a car looks just like a car. It looks just like a photograph. And, you know, then you kind of get this, the idea of, oh, they're so talented because they can do that. You kind of miss mm -hmm. the fact of like, there's some people out there doing amazing things that uh, at first glance, you know, because it's not really accessible work are mm -hmm. being underestimated, you know? Yeah. And I was obsessed with get, capturing more photorealistic rendering when I was younger. Mm -hmm. um, and I did get pretty good at it. And the, the, like the older I get, the less important it is for me. But then every now and then I'm just like, I got to give myself a project just to like, yeah, to get those muscles going. And, and it's, and I still, it does still excite me on some level to be able to do that. Um, but it's come down to me for like, yeah, like, what is it that I'm actually trying to say in some situations? I'll do a, like a commercial design project where I will render something accurately because I feel like it, that's what's needed in that scenario um, or something that's just a personal piece that I haven't shared just because I think it it's what needs to be done in that case. Mm. So, and like your work, I find it has a certain stillness to it. Is that intentional? Oh yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I was uh, saying to someone yesterday in the studio because I said, do you work from photos? And I said, well, I don't anymore. Actually, like almost everything I'm working on now just comes from from imagination. But I mean, it's rooted in, you know, if I'm doing skies or landscapes, like there, there may be pieces that I'm collaging from different reference photos I have, but I'm not painting photos. But oh. yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's funny because it's, it's, you know, as we talk about violent and aggressive sports or just athletics in general that I find with my artwork and I would say to my artist statement is I'm trying to create perfect images and by perfect I mean resolved yes that, yes you know yeah not like <laughs> yeah so so like if I'm doing a, a boat that's in a field that the mast if it's a 48 by 48 canvas the mast hits 24 by 24 right in the middle of that so I've kind of I've kind of made the proportions so that everything kind of becomes resolved. So like you said, it becomes kind of very still and meditative so that you kind of then start working, you then start taking in the image and start working through the image at that as the beginning point. And, uh, mm. and then there's words behind the canvas too. So, you know, I don't hide that. The, the viewer can't see the words, but I don't hide what the words are. Like if, if a collector or a gallery want to see what the words are, like I'll give them the whole speech of something that I've used. So oh. um, I try to take those words that the author wrote for their own purpose and my artwork that I've created for my purpose and bring them together and create something that neither one of us had intended. So it becomes something else. But yeah, that stillness is something that I find important in my work. Yeah. And would you say that you're inspired by 
because you I see you have a lot of like water and boats and things like that and yeah would you would you say you're inspired by like the like Nova Scotia as a- I don't I don't know I, you know because full disclosure I do not like being on the water like, <laughs> really like, hey Christopher do you want to go sailing I'd be like well like do you mean have like a glass of wine on the boat while it's attached to the dock then that sounds awesome um, yeah yeah it's I when I was living in Italy, I kind of missed Nova Scotia. And I, and I think because of that, the idea of the boat and the symbols, they kind of, they, they resonated with me, but I also looked at the boat as, um, as a vessel more than anything. So like in a lot of my paintings, there's container ships in the background and they're ubiquitous. I mean, they're, they're on, (laughs) you name the day of the year and they're moving back there and nothing stops. But I look at them as more as vessels, Dwayne. Like it's like the idea of our body is a vessel. So it's mm. kind of the idea that it is a it's a vessel that, and specifically when I put them in fields, there's two images I come back to a lot, which is a boat in a field, yeah. or a boat sitting in the middle of a of a of a of a reflective sky. And I've had people say to me like, you know, do you get tired of painting the same thing all the time? Like, I paint different things all the time because especially there are variations on a theme. But then also with the words, like if I have um, Leonard Anderson's words in the back of a painting, mm-hmm. who's an evangelical preacher, who's spectacular compared to Justice Jamie Saunders words in the background, who is a Supreme Court justice and whose words are very, uh, you know, uh, not mundane, but, you know, it's not an easy read. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, those those two thoughts combined with what I'm doing create two very different ideas. I mean, okay. as far as I'm concerned, that's interesting. That's interesting. It's uh, the on the I I I I really like. I don't know if subversive is the right word, but I really like when things have layers like that. So the the viewer might perceive it one way, but there's so much more happening under the surface. That right. if you if you dig deep enough, you can find it. Uh, it's it's interesting and and two like with the repetition, I'm just you're one of those people actually that I admire in in terms of like how you are able to like I can identify your work. I can I can say you know that's a Christopher uh, Webb piece, and I I find myself hesitating to work on new things because I am still working on what a Dwayne piece looks like or yeah. is. Um, it's funny you say that, but one of, but uh, my, my partner, Victoria, I met her because uh, her mom, her, her mom's husband was on the uh, executive visual arts Nova Scotia and he was an art educator originally, but his art practice is like, if I, if I were to visit him in Cornwall in the UK and went back every month, every month I'd see something different. Like sometimes he's working on black and white portraits. And then other times he's working on, um, you know, using blueberry juice to create uh, concentric circles. And then I'll come back another time and he's doing something installation. And his, I admire almost the opposite, right? Like <laughs> our practice is just always changing. I don't know, like, you know, or sculptors, like, I always yeah. admire sculptors too because I'm like, oh, that looks like fun. I can, I can right. do. That. I, I appreciate what you're saying though. Like, there is something about finding your voice, but you know, it's uh, I, but the thing is, when I look at your work though online, 
especially with the Arpezmi and a lot of the uh, a lot of the design, like yeah. you know, it's clear aside even from the logo, but just from how you present yourself, like it's 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 strong, but it's multifaceted too, you know. Yeah, uh, I I have this internal debate where I I try to say, um, am I satisfied as a creative with the design work? as a representation of who I am as an artist as well. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes I feel like, well, that's okay. That that doesn't count because that's a t-shirt or that doesn't count because it's a hat or it's something yep. else. And it's like, or it's a logo or a graphic of some kind, mm -hmm. but maybe it does come as part of the uh, creative representation of what I do. Well, it's part of your, and I think it's part of yours. Like that's, that's probably a part of how just whether you agree that it is or isn't, it just kind of is like, just as you, as you know, like, like the podcast and like the interviews you're doing now, man, you're everywhere. Mm -hmm. You're on the national news. <laughs> that was... <laughs> Try, yeah, sort of. <laughs> no, it was good. That was, it was really great. You know, it's always fun to see. It's fun to see when that kind of stuff happens. So. Thanks. Yeah. Actually speaking of which you, you um, gave me a lot of television uh, appearances by wearing my things and in, uh, in your segment for visual arts abstract yeah on, uh, global so <laughs> I appreciate that and, and plugging me that my family back home was super proud uh, and uh, yeah appreciate appreciate that so what is what is visual arts abstract actually so I'll tell you, I'll tell you the story quickly is is years ago when Priya Sam do you know Priya Throy travels here she used to be on CTV and she yeah. was really nice to me and interviewed me a few times and she said, you know, we should do like a visual arts segment. I said, that would be great. So I put the whole pitch together with her and we were just about to do it. And then she got scooped up by um, a CTV morning and went national. And that was right. the end of that. So uh, fast forward, I got a call out of the blue from uh, global television and someone canceled on their foodie Tuesday. <laughs> so they said, because of Pavia downstairs, they said, Christopher, can you come in and make cookies on our foodie Tuesday? And I went, Ugh. all right, I'll do it because uh -huh. <laughs> he asked me to. So I did it <laughs> and it was, I was, anyway, it was stupid. The whole thing was stupid, but it was fun. And at the end of it, it was Elise that did it. And she said, oh my God, Christopher, that was so much fun. We should do that all the time. And I went, no, she said, oh, no, we could do like a regular segment. I said, okay, I'll do a regular segment with you, but, but I want it to be like on the visual arts. She said, that would be great. We could do an art segment. I went, no, no, no. I wanted to be on the visual arts, just the visual arts. And she said, well, why don't you write a pitch and we'll just, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. So we, and that was almost a year ago now. And it's, uh, it's, it's been, uh, it's just been really great. I had someone the other day say to me like, oh, I saw you on television. It must be great. They must pay you a ton to do that. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting, the perception of uh, being on television, of, of how that uh, changes things a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't, I don't know, I haven't even, and like, and they're sponsored by McCafe, I said, I haven't even got like a McDonald's gift certificate yet. I mean, I wouldn't use it, but it's like when the smokers, you know, don't invite you out to smoke, but you think, well, you should just invite me out. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to smoke, but it'd be nice to be invited. Just invite me. Yeah. That's yeah. my invite. That's my McDonald's gift certificate. Yeah, that's how I feel about McDonald's gift certificate. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, exactly. you know, it's sponsored by McDonald's. Like this isn't the Art Pays Me podcast brought to you by like the McCafe or anything like that. Like, did I just get in trouble with a sponsor? 
No, I would like the, um, uh, McDonald's sponsorship though, because I would actually use it. So. Oh, you would uh, use it, okay. Yeah, if you're um, a salesperson with McDonald's and you you know you got a hook up, please send me right some. Now. Yeah, and if you were gonna send one to me, <laughs> send send my share to Dwayne. That'd be great. Yes, yes. But if yes. there was like a if there was like a, a Vino Nobile de Monte Montepulciano sponsor, like I would take that. Is that pretentious? <laughs> That'd be the most pretentious sponsorship ever. <laughs> Yeah, people are like what? A uh, what? It's the Christopher <laughs> Webb podcast, sponsored by Truffle Butter. <laughs> oh man! So you you mentioned your grandmother teaching you. Did you ever get any formal training as an artist? Well, I sort of. I mean, I I, I did 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 art growing up, and uh, it's funny. I don't you know. Everyone has a different path and story, but uh, I want to go to. Uh, art school out of, out of high school, but I was told by people like, well, don't do that. Like go, just do art for fun, mm -hmm. but go, go get a real university degree. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny for two reasons. Cause one, I, I won the fine art prize in high school and people thought it was a joke when I won it. Cause no one, <laughs> I was, cause I was captain of the basketball team. Right. So what is right. they, they literally thought it was people laughed when they announced that I won the fine art prize. Um, <laughs> So I did a, what I did is I did a very practical degree, which is I did my political science degree at St. Mary's. Because, mm -hmm. you know, the fast track to becoming a political science scientist, which is where the real money is. Uh, <laughs> so I did a political science degree. And then uh, long story short, kind of uh, after university and was involved with stuff, got recruited by the premier's office to, uh, to do an internship with the civil service and realized about six months in that I was not cut out for the civil service. Mm. and quit and moved to southern Italy and uh, to paint so I kind of decided to do that and then uh, and then when I got came back to Canada and thought well should I go to law school like continue down that path or be a visual artist and I thought well I'll defer law school for a year and if art doesn't work out then I'll go do law school but that was 25 years ago so but maybe right. this is the year maybe this is the year I should go back maybe I've deferred long enough I should go back but I did, uh, I did, I did a few courses at NASCAD, but nothing. No, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say formally trained. You know, I I don't want to. There's there's too many artists that have, you know that have gone through NASCAD like yourself that have, you know, slogged through years of art college. So I would never say I'm formally trained. Huh. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a lot of work. That's that's um that's interesting because I. I knew that you went to St. Mary's, but for some reason in my mind, I always pictured you as someone who went to art school. That's well, maybe let's talk about that for a second because, because I really admire the, the art school and then kind of the trajectory into the public gallery sphere. So when we mm -hmm. opened up Pavia, the gallery side of things, one of the things I was really interested in and Victoria and I worked on it a lot over the first six or seven years was we started uh, representing and exhibiting uh, professors from art colleges. Okay. So we were, we were showing people like NASCAD profs that weren't really showing anywhere, but were showing with us because they didn't really have a commercial side to their art practice. Cause when you're a tenure prof, I mean, you don't really need a, you don't need to show in a, in a commercial gallery. Right. Well, we were, you know, we were showing works of some of those artists and it was really interesting. And, you know, the idea of, of how work is 
is uh, presented, how it's consumed in, in the public gallery system, you know, through the idea of, of, um, of formal arts training. I've always been fascinated by, and actually it's something now that I take great pride in is I try, I try to as an artist, um, I, I, like there's the commercial sides there and, and the work gets collected and sells. And I'm really happy about that. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm also like right now I'm showing at the Acadia gallery the mm -hmm. Kenya University Gallery, and there's a, you know, there's a catalog, and there's, there's curatorial statements around the work, and I really uh, appreciate that side of, of the art world as well, so, um, so I think over the past years, certainly with the curatorial work that I've been doing, I've always had an affinity for the, for the formal trained side of things, so I think that's mm -hmm. why sometimes there's, a, there's the assumption that I have that because of, because of my links to it. Right, right, that's, and I, I'm formally trained, but I guess because I went more into design side and stopped really focusing on art uh, in like the last few years of my degree, I, I, I lost track of, of that side of things. So mm -hmm. do you feel that, um, uh, from what I've heard anyway, there's a lot of mystery around how to get presence inside these established gallery spaces what what are your thoughts on that is that um i've heard there's there's a good reason for that and there there are sometimes not so good reasons for that yeah i i mean mine would be almost more anecdotal but I, you know certainly on the curatorial side i mean they're programming public spaces like mm -hmm. university galleries and let's just talk like pre-covid and all the Yes, happening now, but like they're programming spaces like two and three years in advance. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the first thing. So that almost lends itself exclusively to prof professional practicing artists. Yeah, that's sort of one aspect of it. And then I think there's also, you know, you know, I, I don't know if you saw this. There was a, the Kyber Center for the Arts just did an open call for. Uh, it was for rural arts in Mi'kma'i. Did you see that? No, I missed that. Okay. And it was really interesting. And I, I don't know, I just thought it was, I mean, I mean, the Kyber does really great things and they're always on the cutting edge. But one of the things they talked about was um, all the barriers to applying for shows. And one of the things they said is, hey, you don't need to submit a formal art statement. You can just call us and we can have a, a talk about your work or you can just submit some photographs because, you know, uh, like when we talk about privilege, if we talk about sort of the, let's just talk maybe about the, about people that have gone through the formal educated art school privilege. Mm -hmm. um, certainly a lot of work and it's a difficult process to go through, but there is the artist statement and mm -hmm. there's the CV and it's very slanted towards a certain type of, of um, writing style. Mm -hmm. And it is really excluding people that have no formal education. Like, you know, would Maude Lewis have been accepted to a show at the Art Gallery of Nova Scotia back in the 1930s or 40s or 50s? Probably no. not. You know? <laughs> so, you know, it's, um, so that's kind of one of those things too, is I, I don't know what it's going to be like going into the future, but it certainly is an exclusive thing, you know? Yeah. And maybe it's good in a way, I, I don't know. Like it's uh, the fact, I like the fact that there's no real commercial value to any of it. And I, I like that so that they're not, you know, they're, they're not looking for things that they're not trying to monetize things. Mm -hmm. so that's, that's something I've really, what, what are your thoughts on it? Do you have thoughts on it? 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if I do, but I, I guess I do. Uh, I, I agree with your points about like just sort of the way it, it goes. Um, and it's a good point about like, you know, how long it takes to prepare these types of shows. Um, I've been listening to a lot more podcasts of, of people who display in sort of these, these higher end galleries and things. And it does seem like, or people who are collected um, by, you know, and, and sell their works for six figures and things like that. Mm. And it seems very much similar to like the celebrity thing that happens. Um, certain artists just get super, super hot and they have this whole other um, uh, auction side of the, the industry. Yeah. And that just causes prices of art to drive through the roof. Um, and, you know, I agree like with the Maude Lewis or someone like that, like, and I, I feel like in some way happening with me, like to, to start getting some of the attention that I'm getting now, it makes me a little uncomfortable because I don't think I would have gotten that attention had I not created some lanes for myself. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I did just present my work to people, people weren't necessarily as interested until I created a platform for myself to, mm. so it's like, Oh, you're, you're well known. So yeah, we'll, we'll hear, we'll hear what you got to say. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing about how, how that sort of thing plays out. And I debate whether or not I want to play in that world or not. Uh, but part of me also just wants to, to be, and I want as I think a lot of us as artists try to play coy, but I think the goal ultimately is to have your work seen as by as many people as possible. And hopefully they, they enjoy it. Um, and that's my ultimate goal. So <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> um, as cultural spaces, they're important. And, but then I also wonder like with the internet, at our fingertips, can we just create our own cultural spaces digitally and still get our work shown? And sh well, and, and that's it's certainly that that's certainly something that's happened over the past year too, which is the, the idea that everyone's so insular right now on purpose. That you know how to how to how to works and things like that get out there. I don't know. Mm -hmm. There's there's some people I've always admired though, and the ones I've always admired the most artistically were. Uh, there were people that they kind of had the commercial side, but they also had that public side, but they also had um, like a, a social justice side. Like I was talking, I don't know if you know Keishan Monroe at all and probably not. Keishan, no. I, I knew Keishan years ago. So my best friend's uh, wife, it's my best friend's wife's brother. And I, and I met him, he's a Bahamian artist. And I met him when he was like, I think he may have still been in art school. I mean, when we're going back like, 20 years that's a long okay. time ago so he's you know but I look at his practice and his work like his painting work is solid like it's really good but then he's like I'll say oh what's Keishan up to oh he's in some boat in the Caribbean following some type of whatever and you got a grant to go and he's like like he's an artist artist like he's doing all those things or he was he was 
for the uh, election day, he was in the States or for a lot of the recent civil rights things that were happening, like he was in the South, the United States, and he's wearing gas masks and, you know, but then, but then the banks in the Caribbean are collecting his work, you know, mm-hmm. the, right. You know, the, I think sometimes you kind of hit that, that perfect, that sweet spot as an artist where everyone's interested in you, but everyone's interested in someone like Keishan because he's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, those, there's a lot of people like that out there from, from all over the world doing different things, but I yeah. Know. Yeah. I guess that's, that's an interesting, yeah. The, what you're saying, I, I think that's where the industry gets weird, but I, and I understand it at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Because people buy into you as, as much as the work. If It's like this weird thing. You got to like also have good work, but you also got to work on your personal brand. And yeah, yeah. I hate, I don't like that, yeah. <laughs> that term, but um, it's so important. Uh, and it's definitely something that I've actively tried to, to figure out for myself too. So. Well, you do a good job though. You do a good job. I mean, you look at the art pays me podcast, like even I'm looking at it, like I it comes through my feed and like, how'd you get that person on? Oh man, that's so cool. Like, you know, imagine in five years time, the people you're going to have in the podcasts, you know, like it, yeah. the doors, it's probably opening the connections it's making, you know, is there anyone like, are there two or three people you really want to interview? Like if there were people, like if you could pick two or three people, are there anyone you'd really want to interview? Yeah, I got a few of them. Some turned me down. Um, I've already reached out to them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, well, well, they, they weren't good enough anyway. <laughs> you didn't want to talk to them yeah um but no like someone like a kahinde wiley um yeah. i'd love to have oh yeah uh ava duvernay like some of some of um there are just some people i don't know how to pronounce the name i'm a core before i'm not sure i can't remember yeah. how, to, how to spell it or pronounce it but there are there are just some artists who seem like they've cracked that code where it seems like they're making the kind of work that they want to make, but they're also um, getting paid well and also seem to be engaged socially in some kind of way. Well, Kahinde, back. You know, you mentioned Kahinde Wiley, like he's one of my favorite artists. And mm-hmm. you know, like and like everyone sort of, it's funny, I mentioned him this morning, but I think people, he did the Barack Obama portrait and people kind of latched on him like, oh, he's the dude that did the Barack Obama portrait. Like, well, he, you know, he was doing some pretty amazing work well before that ever happened. Yeah. Like, you're right. Like, you listen to an interview with him and I could listen to that guy. Like, he's just so engaging when he speaks too. So, but yeah, he's one of those guys too, that he's immensely talented, but then, but then there's sort of the social commentary. That's the mm-hmm. one thing that, I, you know, the one thing with my work, like I, I was always drawn, I think, because I spent some time in Italy in the Renaissance work, a very figurative work that was sort of saying social things. Like I always liked uh, Kent Monkman's work for that reason. Like it was yes. so that, you know, I thought, oh, I'd want to paint that. I'm like, well, what am I going to, what am I going to say? And then I realized yeah. like, but I'm already saying it. I'm just using, you know, I am not Leonard J. Anderson. Right. You know, like I am, and for those of you that don't know, Leonard's, Leonard's a, uh, it's Dr. Reverend Leonard Anderson, and he's a preacher, and he's been my best friend for years, and, you know, I'm not him, but he's also not me, you know, so we, mm-hmm. we, I get to sort of, I get to pull out some of the really great messages 
that he talks and it's almost like I'm, uh, I'm kind of like hijacking some of them in my work, but it's, it, but, but it's not overt, you know? So mm-hmm. I get to kind of play in that atmosphere and in that it, with those messages without being it. Cause you know, what, when I'm talking about black lives matter, or if I'm going to talk about these things, like I'm a white middle-aged dude, I don't need mm-hmm. to speak. I don't need to speak uh, for Lenin. But if but I've been using his words for years, so to be able to have that as part of what I'm doing, but it's it's mm-hmm. there and in the background, but it's there. Like I suddenly thought, well, maybe that's my thing. Like I don't doesn't need to be overt because it's there, you know. So right. then I can let people discover those things as they move down, you know, mm-hmm. move, move into the work. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's what just that's just that's that's what I. I think I'm ultimately drawn to as well. It's like uh, just those layers. I just I love I love the the different layers to the the human experience that you you find showing up in the work. Yeah, it's it's um it's a very cool thing that we that we get to do. Like it's we're lucky that we have the ability to to do this sort of thing. Uh, yeah, because because I think we can both agree. I said this to you online one time that maybe you figured out that art pays me, but, but boxing does not pay us. That is not, <laughs> it's not going to be our, can I tell you my, I just want, I, I, we're probably gonna have to wrap up soon. I'm sure, but can I tell you like one of my secret dreams and oh, maybe if it. I breathe it, maybe if I breathe it, it, it'll, that'll happen. But there's a, uh, I always wanted to go to Cuba before it becomes like, you know, more like the Bahamas again, which is kind of like much <laughs> like this is anyway. Um, and, and I, I still do a little bit of training out of Titans MMA, but I was supposed to go to Cuba, not this March, but last March at the, at the national training center in Havana with some of the coaches as kind of like a chaperone for the kids, oh, but I was going to get to train at the national box center, which is going to be awesome. Like that was going to be, I was going to be 45. I'm trying to get in great shape. But what I really <laughs> want to do is, so I want to do that, but I also want to, there's an artist residency through Toronto that happens in Havana. So like one of my dream things in the next few years would be a three week art residence residency where in the middle of it, I get to like, I go down and train with, at the national boxing center. That would be very cool. I, I actually have secret dreams like that too. A couple of things I want, I, I wanted to be a, um, an action star, first of all, like Jean-Claude yeah. Van Damme was my, my guy. And when I was yeah. growing up and then I got into like more of the Hong Kong cinema stuff, but yeah, yeah. Part of me wants to be a fighter. Part of me was like, I wonder if I could have been a fighter. Like, I wonder if I could have done that. But the the blows to the head, I think, would have been. <laughs> I think look, you could have you could have been a fighter, but there's a good chance that you would have been mumbling through the whole art pays me. This is it. So pays me podcast. Like it yeah. would have sounded like you had a mouth guard in the whole time, but that's just how you talk now from all the blows to the head. Yeah, because no matter how good they are, like they still get hit in the head a lot, and so. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. eh, I don't know if I really want that. Uh, and you, you did not want that. <laughs> <laughs> and then too, like my, yeah, yeah, my basketball dream. So I was talking to my, I'm in physio cause I, uh, I ruptured my Achilles back in October. So yeah. I've been sidelined and no. I'm just turning for, I turned 40 yesterday, actually. Oh, and, happy uh, birthday. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, I was like, you know, sometimes I wonder if I had the 40 year old brain and a 20 year old body, if I would have been a better basketball player. 
Oh, for sure. For sure you would have been. Yeah. I realized, I, you, know. too, I still, you know what? Because you know what? 40-year-olds are really, I'm going to teach you a trick. Here's a trick. So when you're playing one-on-one with the kids, do you know the score trick? Score no. trick is the best one. I always thought when I was younger, like when I was at high school age, university age, that old dudes just were dumb and didn't know how to count. Because they'd be like, what's the score? What is it, like 9-8? And we be like, 9-8? Are you an idiot? <laughs> It's, it's like 10-5. No, 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 it's 9-8. And they'd hold the ball and they'd argue for two or three minutes. They were just getting their win back. All they were doing was just <laughs> catching their breath. And I realized that that that's the trick. It's the old dude trick. You know what? I, I play, I, well, but when I could play and what we could as a society play, I used to play at Noon Hoops. And there's the old guys who have been there since the 70s. And then there's the the young bucks and then the yeah. people in between like me and you're right they the, those guys did that all the time <laughs> <laughs> i just figured it out now you're like wait a minute one of them yeah, was an yeah. actuary at a law firm and all he did was numbers how can he not remember the score yeah he, he's, he's saying he can't come like oh, oh man okay get it i get it uh so you you mentioned the acadia um show it's called alone what is that about actually Alone was uh, was an open call back in August where they had uh, artwork created during the pandemic. And I had, uh, I was, you know, I've been in my studio more these days and I was working on some some paintings and uh, I just happened to be starting a big canvas. So uh, it was, uh, Leonard had just preached a sermon and one of the things he said during, during his sermon was my downtime is my prep time for my prime time. And I kind of felt that like, you know, for me, for me, for me, whenever it's like, just like sports again, like all that quiet time when knows, no one sees what you're doing was the prep time for when you were gonna step out and do something good. So I, you know, I use that time and continue to use that time to, uh, to, to work. So I, um, I submitted a piece that was a very early work in progress. And then uh, they selected, I think they received like 50 or plus, um, uh, submissions and they they picked 18 of us and they're it's sort of various works based on covid i mean mine doesn't really relate to covid at all but i but i did relate it to the fact of like you know that that you know this shouldn't be a time to sit back and watch television it should be a time to to get yourself ready you know Mm. for the next stage so yeah so everyone kind of had their own take on it but interestingly enough Dwayne, it's they they um Acadia isn't letting anyone external onto their campus. So they decided to go ahead with the show, but they've done it virtually. So you can go onto the Acadia Gallery website and take like a very rudimentary virtual tour of a show that that really doesn't exist. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's cool. kind of cool. It's an interesting way. Like it, it, it does bring up the fact of, uh, you know, oftentimes shows are very ephemeral. They go up, they're viewed, they come down. And other yeah. than one or two installation picks, no one ever sees it so uh they've created this space virtually so when you click on a painting for example or a sculpture it's uh dr laurie dalton who's the curator there is giving a description but it is a great way to um to document shows i have a feeling it's something that places will do more in the future yeah for for sure um i've i've heard inklings of certain things like that happening in some of the other galleries as well it's like it's a creating more accessible uh, it's making art more accessible on, on some level. Like, like the the pandemic has created um, for all the the sucky bits of it. It has made certain things more accessible and made us rethink how how we um, present our work. 
It's definitely, I've been able to present on panels that I wouldn't have been able to present on because of this whole thing. So, yeah, yeah so it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so if you could offer any piece of advice to an artist, what would that be? Well, that's a tough one. Cause there's, there's, so, there's so many things. I, you know, I think the, the big thing is, is it's the commitment. Like if you're going to do it, you need to, you need to commit mm -hmm. and, and then, and then recommit and then commit again. <laughs> Cause it's, uh, you know, we're all not Kehinde Wiley, <laughs> you know, like that's, there's a good chance that that's not going to happen to you. And, and right. it's not that you're not good enough. Um, it's just that we, there's only so many, there's only so many spots out there, you know, for these people, there's only so many Anna Leibowitzes and Damien Hurst's and like, there's so many spots. So, you know, why do you want to do it? And if it's something you want to do, it would just be to commit. I, you know, one of the things I talked about years ago is I always, we sort of started this conversation about, so how do you describe yourself? And I always say as a visual artist, but if you can commit just to that thing that you want to do, uh, and I'm sure it sounds cliche, but you know, the universe does conspire to help you do that. And, you know, you may not end up being a photographer or a painter, but, you know, maybe you end up working on film sets as a, as a set deck or doing still photography on, on those things, or, you know, at mm -hmm. least if you can head in that direction. So, you know, that would be my big thing is just, just commit and recommit to it. I love it. I, I love it. As the thing is, even as you fail, or things don't work out, the pivot happens. It yeah. may not, it just, you just, you like you said, you end up working in some other thing. And uh, <laughs> yeah. And it works. It works. Make it work. So yeah. how do people find you online? Um, well, I'm on, I'm on Instagram and Facebook at the Christopher Webb. Um, I have a website, which is cweb.ca, c-w-e-b-b.ca. I think that's it. And uh, yeah, so I have some, some definitely have some projects in the go. I'm, uh, I'm composing some music these days. So that's kind of fun around oh, wow. uh, writing some music behind some of my paintings. So maybe next time, maybe next time I sit down, I'll have like, I'll have instrumentals. Yeah, we can, we can debut some music. Um, what, like, what's the, what, what genre of music or is it genre list? <laughs> it's a, uh, I, it's it's Gregorian chant type thing. Okay. And uh, but but it's funny, but heavily inspired by like uh, hip hop because because you know I know what I know when people look at me like I'm just exuding hip hop like I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so uh, yeah, although I look more hip hop than Little Dicky, and he seems to have done all right for himself, you know, like yeah, he can rap. Yeah, he's good. So uh, no, it's uh, and by that I mean just sort of lyrically, lyrically the, the 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 rhythm how it works. But I've always been inspired by Gregorian chant from just some times living in Italy and, and being a part of it in some weird times in my life. Where anyway, those are those are different conversations. But yeah, using the words behind the canvases to kind of create my own um, my own music. I did a show years ago with Lennett. Um, called sermons where I had had a, a gospel choir sing at the show and it was really impactful but I felt again mm. like I kind of felt like I was borrowing a gospel choir so you know I thought maybe this is the time I'll just so I'm experimenting with some stuff cool you're not going to hear it on the radio 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> no, one thing I didn't dig into that I, I yeah. want to ask you about, how are you finding um, being a dad throughout all of this stuff with the pandemic and, and even just being a dad um, as, an, as a, a creative person and setting an example that way? It's awesome. I okay. love it. I, I never want to be a dad. It's not something okay. I want to do and uh, ended up having a child. The whole, the whole, that marriage went sideways very quickly. And, uh, but, but having, having a daughter was like, I had no idea. I had no, I had no idea it was going to be so great. I love it. And it's really like, it's, so I know you asked the pandemic question, what's it like, it hasn't changed at all. Like, it's mm. just, you know, I, I, I love who she is and what she's doing. I've never wanted her to paint or do that kind of stuff, but she's huge into drawing right now. And I feel like, like she'll ask me questions and she's like, dad, do you know anything about this? And like Victoria will be there. She's like, you're, you're you know, your dad's an artist, right? Like he can help you with this stuff. So, but her drawing, like in three months, her drawing went from, from kind of kid-like and cartoonish to really good. And, and she loves, well, like your, like your daughter's plays basketball. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just love being involved in the whole thing. And, and then also I was really lucky too, because uh, Victoria, when I met Victoria, her son was just about 12. So I kind of was there from like 12 to now. And mm. I was never his dad. Like I didn't have to worry about being his dad, but I had a chance to to kind of be right there when he started playing basketball. Like I was ah, right there cool. when he started playing basketball and, you know, through his process of figuring out what he wanted to do. And he was so sure at every step, what he wanted to do. And then he changed his mind. And then he was so sure. And he changed his mind and, and he just got accepted to law school at the U of T and he did his master's in, in, uh, um, it at Exeter in ancient history. Um, cool. you know, and he just, he's, he's so smart and, uh, and funny. So I just love it. You know, I just love being a part of, of, uh, of their lives, you know? Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Like I hear, I hear sometimes the, like sometimes parents go, Oh, well, I have to drop my kids <laughs> off here. Or they're grumble, like, Oh, so good. The kids are away from me. I'm like, man, I don't, I love hanging out with my kids. It's so much fun. Yeah. That I've, I'm such a homebody. Like I know people invite me out to things all the time, but preach pandemic anyway, mm-hmm. but like so much of my time revolves around being home with with them or dealing doing their stuff it's like it's very difficult um and i but i do find myself trying to work on not um not feeling guilty one way or the other you know and what i mean by that is like sometimes i feel guilty for spending time doing my my art and not paying attention to them sometimes i feel guilty for paying attention to them and not doing my art yeah. I'm trying to just be better at just being present and accepting the, the, the greatness of, of all of those experiences, you know? Well, and they're, uh, and they're also, you know, the other thing you, you know, you realize they're benefiting from is when you're doing your artwork and you're, you're creating these things, or, you know, you end up on the national news or you end up mm-hmm. on panels and they see you is they're also taking all that in too, you know, like that, they're 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 seeing that and experience it but they're also seeing you know unlike really anyone else they are seeing your downtime and your prep time so they're seeing that process that no one else does so they're seeing what the hard work results in so hopefully you know um and i also see like i was watching the the videos of of they're they're at the three-on-three tournament this summer and you would videotape (laughs) them all that like that stuff is so awesome you know it's so great 
Yeah, actually, those weren't my my daughters, but um, one was my goddaughter who, oh, okay. who played in that. Actually, my see, <laughs> mine are who are they play, but they're not like hoopers like I would be per se. They they're both playing in the leagues, but um, for them, it's I guess my youngest is more serious than my older uh, my how, older how one. Old are they? So thirteen and ten. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, so. But it's interesting, like they both, I, I love that they just, you know, I used to coach them both. So it's like, they listen to every word I say when I'm like, yeah. okay, work on this. And we're going to do some, some dri- basketball, some dribbling drills. And yeah. uh, that's, that part is cool. And like training them in martial arts is, is cool. The funny thing though, when it comes to art is they don't ask me any questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're mostly teaching themselves. <laughs> oh, that's good. They will, as long as they're into it. I, I said Madalena likes basketball and someone said, oh, do you think she's going to be good enough to play high school? Do you think she's going to be, I, I just want her to play basketball. Like as yeah. long as she's engaged in sports and doing that, like that's it. And you know, it's so great. Same with me. I don't put a lot of pressure on them to like be the best basketball player. I'm just like, as long as it's fun for them and they still want to keep doing it. I think yeah. just that learning from, from like we, like we talked about, like the different things, learning how to be on a team and yeah. be, be collaborative and all that kind of, stuff. I think there's so much you can learn from sports in general. Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So with that note, um, Christopher, thank you. Uh, we for- did <laughs> we did it <laughs> okay, great. and unlike those other people that turned you down like i i got back to you within 30 seconds this is great you did. i was excited you, this, this is good to be honest it scares me when when people get back to me as quickly as you did <laughs> oh no because <laughs> i'm like i appreciate it because i'm like yeah i know i'm good we're, we're good uh but then I'm like, okay, now I gotta, now I gotta prepare. I gotta get all my stuff. I gotta be ready. No, <laughs> uh, well, but you know, it's funny. I, you know what it's like though. Like, there's sometimes, there's sometimes you talk to people. Like, if I were forced to do an interview with you, like, I, I my question would be like, like this would be my list of questions. So, Dwayne, tell me a little bit about yourself, and then that'd be it. Like, we'd be fine. Like, that'd be 45 minutes right there. This is true. It'd this be is good. true. Yeah, it's right, and that's so what we, I gotta remind myself. It's not that it's not that difficult. It's just talk. Now, maybe what we should do, we should probably play basketball ASAP against each other because it sounds like yes. you have a pretty good injury that may slow you down enough. Enough <laughs> that, that the Vegas odds would put me at the over that I may be able to take you out in a game of one-on-one. So maybe we should play sooner rather than later. Yeah, I would think so. I I I would be forced to shoot only, and I am a terrible shot. I, I always thought my athleticism would carry me through until I got old. And now well, I, that's... And I am a terrible <laughs> scorekeeper. So I'd stop you a lot to ask you what the score was. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Wayne. All right. Cool. Take care. Okay. You too. Thank you for listening to Art Page. Thank you to Langey Beats for the theme music. You can find more of his music on YouTube. If you got anything out of this, Please rate, review, or leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening. You can find out more about Art Pays Me at artpaysme.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Clubhouse. I'm at Art Pays Me on all of those platforms. With that, we're out. Peace. <laughs>